Hey legends, I'm Eliza Lee and you're listening to the Making of an Incredible MD, the podcast for aspiring medical professionals. Last season, we geared you up with a ton of different topics and ethical dilemmas to think about in the medical field. And on this season of the podcast, we're taking you behind the scenes of live MMI mock stations that we run for our students who are about to sit their med interviews. So stay tuned for a new station each week and hear a handful of our future med students give it a good old crack. Today on Station 9, we have another one of our Monash University examiners, Chris, interviewing one of our aspiring med students, Ellie, who came back with some more feedback after trying Station 5. As you all know by now, before we hit record, we give each student three minutes to read the station and then they have eight minutes to then respond. And today, the station that Ellie read was this. Due to the shortage of physical therapists in rural communities, it had been decided that medical schools should preferentially admit students who are willing to commit two to three year tenure in an underserviced area upon graduation. And now over to the recording. My first question for you is, uh, what are the implications of this policy for health and healthcare costs? Yeah, so with this policy, I think there are a number of implications. I think, you know, I have to consider it from a few different um, levels. I think, first of all, the implication of the medical students, um, you know, being preferentially selected um, for them to pursue two to three years after their medical school is something that we have to consider as implication. It's not a, an immediate solution. It's something that's looking toward the future. And um, they're putting a lot of, a lot of, faith in these students to continue to engage with that rural community they're serving beyond those two to three years if they do just spend those two to three years that's a bit of a band-aid solution and it might not be the best way to go about it Um, secondly in terms of this implication of this we're also hoping as a result of the medical medical practitioners going to rural communities that the physical therapists will follow Um, you know and we hope that will happen but it may not necessarily be the same for the physical therapists but a positive implication is that hopefully rural areas are able to provide get better access to healthcare services and the shortage of you know rural practitioners um, is alleviated a little bit. So do you think this approach would be effective? Yeah, so not being um, an expert in public health, um, I don't have a lot of understanding if this will be effective or not, but I can consider that it is a bit of a band-aid solution and it's going from one angle, I think, with such a big complex problem with the access, um, the shortage of doctors in rural health, it needs to be addressed from more than one angle. This is a step in the right direction, I think, in terms of encouraging interns and people outside medical school training to engage in you know rural communities but I think a lot more also needs to be done to actually address the shortage of rural GPs as well as um, you know rural um, general I think it was physical therapists so in terms of it, if it will be effective I think that a lot more needs to be done it is a step in the right direction but I think more engagement needs to be done with 
in the medical school training, not just for preferentially selecting people that will put their hand up saying, I'll do two to three years. Also after medical school training, what are the specialist um, training things and that actually occurring in rural areas as well as beforehand, should we be encouraging people at high school level to realise perhaps maybe a medical um, career could be good if they're coming from, if they belong in that rural area because they're more likely to stay there perhaps. So I think there's a lot more needs to be done in terms of for this single policy to be effective on its own. So what other strategies can you recommend to address inequities of healthcare experienced in rural populations? I'll just have a think about this one for a moment. So I think we could encourage a lot more having a lot more rural hubs in terms of specialist training services. If you want to do GP and things like that, um, or have a, like you have a BMP place, you'll stay there for two to three years. But if you want to become trained in something specialist, you may have to return to do a lot of hours within the city. And I think it would be really helpful if we retain individuals who want to work in rural areas so that they can engage in their training particular specialty within that rural area because I think that would be really helpful in terms of, you know, continuity of care for the people they're providing the health care to and things like that. So that's one aspect. I think another aspect is during medical school training, we don't just say, okay, a small portion is going to have exposure to rural. I feel like throughout the whole medical degree, it'd be really great for every individual to engage in um, rural communities and perhaps by providing, you know, one specific rural community being there a lot of the time or every year, you can help build connections and be more likely to um, return there when you're finished. Because then, you know, that jump from maybe somewhere where your family and support is, just somewhere rural and new, isn't as big as it might be um, without that prior experience. So, yeah, they're the two major things. And I'm not sure if there's a next question, so I'll move on. (laughs) Sure. So just any other comments you wanted to add or you can add anything to any of the previous questions if you'd like. Okay, so I might continue with the last question. I think another thing we could do would be in sort of helping um, encourage like a better support network for the individuals interested in going into rural areas. So I think a big thing that, you know, as we have trouble retaining rural doctors is that, you know, maybe their family or lifestyle is, you know, somewhere else. So perhaps we could um, provide better incentives and support to bring the whole family up into that rural community and providing the job for the wife or something like that so they're more likely to stay there instead of, you know, doing three years and then coming back home to where their family and everyone is. Yeah, so with the first question, I think perhaps I didn't address the cost side of it. I might like to talk to that now. Um, so in terms of cost, hopefully it means that we'll alleviate longer term costs in terms of rural shortages. However, if in terms of implications, if these people are paying, um, encouraging people to go rural areas for two to three years and they just come back, that's going to cost a lot and it's not actually cost saving in the long term. Um, if we can't retain those doctors to stay in those rural areas. So I think there is financial implications with a policy such as this. And, yeah, so that would be the first question. I think I'll just leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Ali's done so well for a second time round. And let's hear how she felt she went. I don't know. I guess I'm not a rural person myself. So the things that I engage with are just things I learn about or hear from other people. Um, so there's probably 
a few things that I'm missing and yeah. Yeah, so just overall, I'd say your answers were really nicely considered. I think you touched on a lot of really good points in terms of this only being a Band-Aid solution and aspects to that, which I thought was really nice. I did also appreciate that you took a minute and sort of sat and collected your thoughts for a couple of questions rather than just jumping right in. And I could tell that that gave your answers a bit of a nicer structure, which was good. Just in terms of each of the questions, so in in terms of just things that I considered when I was looking through these questions, um, in terms of the first one, so the implications on uh, this policy for health and healthcare costs, you did touch on this, but I think continuity of care is a really big one for this, where if you just have someone going out to a rural community for two, three years and then leaving, that continuity isn't there. And that's very important in rural communities. I mean, I'm not rural either, but I've been studying rural for part of this year and the community dynamic in rural areas is very different. People know each other a lot more. And I think that personal relationship within the community is much more important, I think, for for this sort of thing. So that's definitely something that you did address it, but you could have unpacked that a bit as well. That sort of leads into the second question. Will this approach be effective? Uh, It definitely is addressing a need increasing access to healthcare, but it isn't addressing that continuity of care very well. I did like that you spoke about providing support for people moving out to rural areas, because I think that that is definitely important. And the, the specialist hubs that you described was a, a nice answer that I actually had it considered for this, which was really nice. In terms of that continuity of care, I think a big thing is trying to encourage people to stay rurally after those two, three years, which you did talk about. And interestingly, like often, even if people do stay, often the impetus for people to leave is after they have children and they want their children to be educated in a more metro area. So again, they wouldn't be expecting you to have all this stuff, to know all this stuff. I've only encountered some of this stuff this year, as I say, being rural. I I feel like a lot of the rural um, aspects of health can sort of come out at a bit of an oblique angle. So In terms of strategies, you did touch on some nice ones. I I did like that specialist hubs one in terms of retaining people rurally. That was well uh, spoken. But again, just in terms of that oblique angle, I think one of the things that has really been highlighted a lot to us this year is that everything's interconnected. So I'm out, I was out in Churchill, for example, one of the towns nearby Hazelwood. You might have seen the Hazelwood power station with all the towers get blown up. It was on the news. So that, that place employed about 900 people in the area and a lot of those people now don't have jobs, which means that there's a lot of unemployment, which leads to mental health problems, which leads to family violence, which leads to a whole bunch of other community-based problems in that community, which then negatively impact on health. So even things as simple as improving employment, little things like that can also address healthcare inequities in rural communities, which... I definitely wouldn't have considered last year, but it, it is something not many other people I think will will talk about. They're great, Bryce, like really opening my mind. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, like I said, I think I think I was quite impressed with your answers actually. Like they were nicely considered, made some good points, and they were nicely structured. This is something I am going to say to a lot of people. I don't think this was a real problem for you, but I think it's something to be especially conscious of this year, just because. It's something that's being emphasised to us a lot and I know that they'll be paying attention to it. Just in terms of eye contact and body language over Zoom, it's it's a lot harder to do because it's on a screen. I think just be extra careful that you're not glancing down, looking away, 
and even just looking at the screen, like I know, for example, like I'm looking at my screen right now, but it doesn't look like I'm looking at you, mm. if that makes sense. Whereas if I look at the webcam, it's the body language aspect is, is um, interesting. And I, I don't think it was a real problem for you, but I think it's just something to keep in the back of your mind to yeah. just pay extra attention to, because I think it will be important this year for people. Yeah, I think just being conscious of the, the medium that you're actually doing the interviews on is important as well yeah and you talk about getting students to study rurally as part of their degree that was that was a very nice point actually that um you said i think all students should take the time to study rurally and i think seeing that need is super important for for medical students if that broader need is going to be addressed so do you have any questions or any comments for me I guess I kind of struggle sometimes with these implications ones or like what are the issues? I would be interested to see like how you, like in terms of when you read it, okay, what are the implications, what your thought process is or how do you go about answering these ones? Yeah, so I think a good thing to do early in like when you're reading a question is just to identify who the, the stakeholders are for a given question. So in this example, it will obviously be the medical students who are getting enrolled into that degree, but then also the rural communities. And then in addition to that, I guess, potentially the medical schools, you can even go further than that, like the metropolitan community, things like that. But um, I think in terms of implications, definitely you did identify that, yes, you you don't just want to be taking students that are just saying, yep, I'll do two, three years just to get a degree and then not worry about rural health after that. In order to really address that need, you need to make sure that that continuity is there. So it's not just slapping a band-aid on a problem and then implications for the rural community again that ties into that continuity of care things like that and um yes you did skip over healthcare costs originally and then jumped back to it so yeah that's that honestly that's that's a more difficult one i think again increasing access to healthcare and meaning that people can seek treatment earlier so they'll have less serious um, illness when they go and see a medical professional will potentially decrease healthcare costs but then you did nicely identify that jumping people back and forth between the communities is also going to increase costs potentially as well so I, I think you talked through it fairly nicely to be honest I, I wouldn't really be adding a ton to what you said I thought you covered it pretty nicely okay would you approach it like oh I don't think it'd be effective because bang 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 or do you say look it has the potential to be affected because of this. However, I think there are a number of flaws. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think I think sort of being a bit more nuanced in your answer is better because it shows that you are considering both sides yeah. instead of just being like it definitely wouldn't be effective. Blah blah blah. Because this this is something that is being done um, with the bonded medical programs and things like that. It definitely is a strategy that is being implemented at the moment. So to say it's completely ineffective might not be accurate, but to say it is the most effective strategy, again, probably wouldn't be completely accurate. So I think taking a more nuanced approach is better mm. just because it shows that you understand the intricacies of the topic a little more. Just in terms of just like general comments to rural questions like this it's obviously a really complicated issue and there's no good answer to it i guess which is why it's an interview station like this i guess in terms of unpacking all those interconnected sort of webs that i was speaking about before in terms of employment mental health mental health issues in rural areas are really large and that's multifaceted but part of it is access there are so there aren't many medical professionals like doctors in rural areas there are even less 
mental health professionals in rural areas. So that's, that's a big issue. In addition to that, I think the dynamics of the rural community is interesting in terms of healthcare and particularly mental health care, where if you're in a town of 100 people, everyone knows everyone, and your car is parked in front of the mental health clinic, everyone knows you've gone to the mental health clinic. And that can generate stigma or generate things for people that will make them less willing to access healthcare until their conditions are sufficiently advanced. I know these aren't necessarily things for this particular question, but just issues that can be discussed surrounding this topic. You know, you're not going to be able to cover all of it in five minutes or eight minutes, however long you have. I think just giving a unpacking and showing you have a bit of an appreciation for how complicated and the little intricacies of this topic is really good. If you're interested in learning a bit more about that, I'd The National Rural Health Alliance have some good fact sheets on their website that sort of unpack a lot of these issues. So that might be a good place to start if you're interested. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you so much. It's fantastic. Yeah, I guess like just acknowledging how complicated it is definitely would be, um, I think that I missed that. I think that's something really useful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No problem. Great job again, Ellie, and some terrific resources Chris mentioned in the end there. If you are also someone who wants to get some perspective from current MD students who have done their rural placement, definitely go have a listen to episode 9 from our previous season with Hannah, who was actually out in Wangaratta's rural placement whilst we were recording that episode. So hope your event interview prep is kicking off, and if you ever need some more help, feel free to just get in touch whenever. For now, we'll see you on the next episode.